Burning Books with Eric Beck-Rubin. Hello and welcome to the Burning Books podcast where we discuss, celebrate, and explore great books, very good books, books in which there's something to appreciate or admire, as well as books that are the opposite of all those things. We're into a season of related podcasts the season entitled To Trilogy or Not to Trilogy, and we've looked so far at books by Richard Ford, Amitav Ghosh, Elena Ferrante, Pat Barker, and Ford Maddox Ford. And today it's a book, a rare treat, I'll say it right off the bat, from Yugoslav-born Canadian residing author Josip Novakovic. The book qualifies as a trilogy in the sense that it's a trio or triptych of short pieces revolving around the same subject in the same place. It's called Three Deaths and was published in 2010. Let me start off in left field with some remarks by the philosopher Walter Benjamin. Walter Benjamin. Benjamin. Can we say Benjamin if we're calling him Walter? I think we can say Walter Benjamin. Let's just go with it. In his essay, The Storyteller, Benjamin writes... The storyteller borrows his authority from death. Which is a phrase I, and probably most people who come across it, still grapple with. The storyteller borrows his authority from death. This can be meant in a direct way, that the storyteller introduces death in the story in order to grip the reader and therefore establish his or her control over that reader. It can mean that when the author has died and is of the past, he or she gains authority from this distance, and that he or she is untouchable in some way because of it. The phrase might also mean that the powerful aura surrounding death means that anything in proximity to this death is heightened, is made more important, because it may give some meaning or context to that final act. It may explain it in some way. Benjamin himself says that the person who controls death controls the extreme, and therefore anything up to that extremity is within the storyteller's control, and therefore the storyteller's authority. Not that this is, by any means, the final word on this subject. In that essay, The Storyteller, from which the quote is taken, Benjamin is talking about the 19th century Russian short story writer Nikolai Leskov, whose tales have recently been retranslated by Pavir and Volokonsky with a sick cover by the amazing Peter Mendelssohn. In The Storyteller, Benjamin hones in on what he thinks makes Leskov's stories powerful. Benjamin starts with a few general statements concerning the difference between stories and information, then hits on what I think is the main point, which comes at the end of the following excerpt, which dwells on the difference between information and story. Every morning brings us the news of the globe, and yet we are poor in noteworthy stories. This is because no event any longer comes to us without already being shot through with explanation. In other words, by now, almost nothing that happens benefits storytelling. Almost everything benefits information. Actually, it is half the art of storytelling to keep a story free from explanation as one reproduces it. Leskov is a master at this. The most extraordinary things, marvelous things, are related with the greatest accuracy, but the psychological connection of the events is not forced on the reader. It is left up to him or her to interpret things, and thus the narrative achieves an amplitude that information lacks. So, 
In this explanation, a story is not merely facts, that's what information is, but at the same time, it's not explanation. A story is a way of seeing the world, a series of observations whose relations, and therefore meaning, must be determined by the reader. That's what Benjamin seems to be saying, and this is how we get from Leskov to Novakovich. The copy on the back of the book states that Three Deaths includes a personal essay, a short story, and a classic tale. They definitely do not come in that order, and I'm not sure, whatever the author's intentions may have been, that they conform to any one of the above-mentioned categories. All the better for the reader, though. In this triptych of related tales, the panels are made of something between painted canvases and warped mirrors. The first tale, called Be Patient, tells the story of a father and a daughter. The father, Nenad, is getting the daughter, Lierka, inoculated with the new anti-polio vaccine. The place is Daruvar, Yugoslavia. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing Daruvar. The year is 1952. If there's one thing that got me stuck right away into this book, it was this description of social customs right at the beginning of the first story. There was a measured triple knock on the thick oak door, and Nenad's stocky brother, Drago, endowed with emphatically upturned eyebrows, came in with his sensationally pale and nearly translucent wife, Maria. There was no phone in the entire town, and if people wanted to visit, they came directly over, risking being turned away if the family was busy. But after darkness gathered, hardly anybody worked, although most of them fussed, canning and pickling peppers, or dancing on their bleeding grapes, or on sliced cabbage, or reading old yellow-papered novels. Nobody had TV sets, and guests were in demand as a source of entertainment, so members of an extended family were rarely turned away. Just a few sentences, and right away you get the sense of Novakovich's complete command. There's the unexpected but never strained use of vocabulary in the sensationally pale and nearly translucent wife. There's gentle humor in the family activities of pickling and canning and grape squashing. There's a clever draw to the conclusion that the family were rarely turned away because they were the nightly performance. All in all, an entertaining paragraph about how family entertains. Like that, I'm under the book's spell, and it does not lift until the last pages of the book, having created in the process a web of associations. To give you just a few of the coordinate points on this web, one, the inoculation comes from America. Two, America has also provided Yugoslavs with the gift of lemons, which no one in the area had tasted until 1935. We didn't know that there was a difference between lemons and yellow pears, so we ate the skins too and wondered how such a bitter and sour fruit could be so popular. Three, lemons are things that don't work, like the newly designed cars, for instance, or vaccines that haven't been properly tested. That also is number four. Novakovich would never do anything so crass as drawing these comparisons by himself, connecting the dots. Rather, he leads the reader to look everywhere for more clues. And now, that's not because the reader needs those clues to sort out the story, but because these clues are means by which, to use Benjamin's term, the story is amplified. And these three stories are all about amplification. From one death, the next story tells another, the story of the father's death. Although the father, Nenad, of the second tale, which is called Apple, 
is somewhat different from the nenad of the first story, Be Patient. This reiteration or reincarnation, or however you want to put it, of Nenad is a devout Baptist. That little corner of the town were Baptists, and a lay preacher who harasses his younger sons, Ivo and Yozo, presumably Yosip, to stop reading comics and brush away the cat who is standing on the family Bible. Nenad's death is like and unlike Lierka's of the first story. One aspect of the family response to it is the fervent hope that the person who has died is resurrected. And this reminds the reader directly of Be Patient, the resurrection in the form of inoculation, and of earlier in the story of Apple, where Nenad himself is already a kind of resurrection, like and unlike the Nenad of the previous story. And that's not to mention that later on in Apple, we have Nenad reappearing in Yozo's dreams. Yozo's response to his father's death bringing him back to life in a dream, is both deeply Christian, resurrection in the form of a story, as well as pagan or, in some senses, psychoanalytic, resurrection in the pre-rational or subconscious. In other words, it's typical and atypical, and neither predominates. We're given a series of observations, but do not have a definitive explanation. The last story is the one that comes closest to the description on the back of the book, Personal Essay, although it has all the best qualities of Novakovich's stories, specifically his ability to lead the reader in various directions, often unexpectedly, always fluidly, and never explaining to the reader what he thinks the reader must understand or know. It also centerpieces the author's mother, Ruth, a woman who makes herself the center of attention by insisting that really nobody should be fussing over her. I've remembered now. It was hard to get a compliment out of my mother, and I was fishing for one, obviously. If it never worked for me, maybe it should work for my son. Not that I needed a compliment for me, but I wanted one for my son's well-being and my mother's well-being. A moment of satisfaction, an insight that life had been good after all because, look at it, the offspring is talented and beautiful. Maybe there was such a moment of satisfaction in her as she listened and breathed heavily. She simply didn't have the means of expressing that satisfaction verbally, and the habits dominated the patterns of speech, especially now. What we get in this third story is a partial stitching together or contextualization of the previous stories, where we hear about Lierka's death, the death of the drunk uncle who fell off the roof, as well as a new quasi-pagan, quasi-Christian interpretation of death, which involves ghosts and spirits. At this point, though, I don't want to say anything more. I've already said more than I intended to about the contents of this book. I guess I just wanted to relive it a little bit. It was fantastic, and I wish there was more of this type of literature, of Novakovich's style of writing. It's a kind of mastery that holds its subject in an open hand, never squeezing it for meaning, always allowing for what Benjamin calls amplification. I'm grateful to the author for creating it, and if it's not clear already, I loved this book. Thank you for listening. Next up on Burning Books will be the final episode of the To Trilogy or Not To Trilogy season, a look at the first book of Roddy Doyle's The Last Roundup trilogy. That book is entitled A Star Called Henry. Burning Books is part of the Latopia network of podcasts, and you can hear back episodes, subscribe, and reach me there via the email the show button, all by going to latopia.com, spelled the way it sounds, and following the link to Burning Books. 
I also enjoy getting your tweets, nasty and nice. I'm at Burning Books Pod. And if you're on Facebook, you can reach me at facebook.com slash Eric Beck Rubin. My thanks to Hakan Ozgan for the music. There are several ways to thank someone. So let's start with the easiest. Teşekkürler. To Peter Cox, executive producer of the program. Garage. No, I say garage, but I do know people who say garage, actually. And as always, go Jays.